Good morning. Good to see you here today. Take your Bibles, if you would, turn to Luke chapter number 17. If you don't have a Bible, there should be a Bible in the pew in front of you. Luke chapter number 17. In the last message, we examined, what does God owe me? And we concluded that he who has given us physical life and who has extended to us the offer of eternal life owes us nothing. And we owe him everything. How then should we respond to these gifts of God's grace and mercy? In the last message, we saw that we should respond by doing our duty and by demanding nothing in return. And now we add to that that we owe him our gratitude. Surely one of the most hideous sins is the sin of ingratitude. Ingratitude demotes immaturity, either physical or spiritual. Infants do not always appreciate what their parents do for them. They have short memories. Their concern is not what you did for me yesterday, but what are you doing for me right now? The past is meaningless, so is the future. They live for the present. And as we grow up, we learn to appreciate what others do for us. But as we grow physically and spiritually, if we do not learn how to express gratitude to others and to God, it is a sign of immaturity. In Luke chapter 17 and verse 11, Jesus is traveling along the borders of Samaria and Galilee. There he encounters ten lepers. Luke is the only gospel in which we find the story of these ten lepers. This account fits in well with the previous text because it shows us that instead of owing us anything, we owe God everything. From these ten lepers, we can learn some valuable lessons about being thankful. Why is it that we forget to be thankful? Well, the word thank comes from an old German word that means to think. It should be easy to understand then that thinking always precedes thanking. When we receive a gift, it is only as we stop to think of the significance and the meaning of that gift that we're led to express our thankfulness. This morning we want to note that we learn to be thankful when... We learn to be thankful when, first of all, we think about how desperate our situation is before we meet Jesus. Verse 11 says, Now as it happened, as he went to Jerusalem, that he passed through the midst of Samaria and Galilee. And then as he entered a certain village, there met him ten men who were lepers and stood afar off. Leprosy was the most feared disease of its time. The closest emotional equivalent today would be to be told that you have AIDS. The disease of leprosy was a painful disease, but the physical pain was perhaps not the most terrible part of the disorder. It meant that they had to face isolation. They were shut off from their family. They were shut off from their friends. 
They were even shut off from God in the sense that they could no longer enter the temple to worship. And second, it meant humiliation. Lepers were swept into isolated colonies and required that when anyone ventured too close, that they must shout out in shame, unclean, unclean. Can you imagine having children point their fingers at you and either laugh at you or run away in fear? Can you imagine what it was like to have everyone turn their eyes away in disgust when they saw you? Can you imagine how having to rely on the pity of people in order to have enough to eat? Leprosy was an especially humiliating disease because those who had leprosy were thought to be suffering because of their sin. They were thought to be unclean and incapable of having a right relationship with God. They were made to feel that they were even isolated from God. Leprosy meant a total loss of your way of life. You were left basically to die. Which brings us to the final diagnosis of leprosy. In all probability, you were dying. A slow and horrible death. And before you met Jesus, you were dying and lost as well. We learn to be thankful when we think about the fact of how desperate we were before we met Jesus. And secondly, we learn to be thankful when we think about the fact of what we have gained in verse number 13. The lepers kept their distance as prescribed by the law, but they certainly did not keep quiet. These lepers' only hope is that Jesus has mercy and that he will not let them down, and he doesn't. In verse 13, we are told, and they lifted up their voices and said, Jesus, Master, have mercy on us. They asked for mercy. It's surprising how concise we can be when our prayers meet the heat of our circumstances. When Peter stepped out of the boat intent on walking on the water and he began to sink, he didn't pray in Old Testament language. He didn't go on and on about his need. He said, save me, save me. They were not asking for what they deserved. They were pleading for mercy. The word mercy translates a Greek word that means to help one afflicted or seeking aid. It is an aorist test, active, imperative. The aorist means that they're they're not asking for gradual healing. They They want to be healed immediately. And the fact that it is an imperative means not in the sense here that it is a command, but conveys the urgency of the request. Then in verse 14 it says, and so... When he saw them, he said to them, go away yourselves, show yourselves to the priest. And so it was, as they went, they were cleansed. The Old Testament law required that a person who believed that they had been healed of leprosy was to go to the priest for inspection and proclamation that the person was indeed healed. In fact, it is the exact reversal of the way in which they were declared lepers in the first place. They had to go to the priest who determined that they had leprosy. They asked to be healed immediately, 
But what Jesus did was unexpected. He says, go and show yourself to the priest. The command was to do something that a cured leper would do. But they were not healed. Not until they obeyed Jesus. For it says, as they went, they were cleansed or healed. They were healed as they went, not before. The act of going was the act of faith. Even if they went with doubts, God honored their going. By obediently making their way to the priest, the lepers were demonstrating they had faith in the words of Jesus. All ten placed their faith in Jesus. We learn next to be thankful when we think about the fact that what was done for us could not have been done by us. In verse 14, the last part of verse 14, And as they went, they were healed. And one of them, when he saw that he was healed, returned and with a loud voice glorified God and fell down on his face at his feet and giving him thanks. And he was a Samaritan. You would have perhaps expected all ten men to return to Jesus and thank him for the new start in life. But in reality, only one did so, and there was shock. The only one who returned was a Samaritan. This statement surely caused the disciples some discomfort. The last person that any Jew would expect to, be the, to do the right thing is the only one who did. Let's take this a step further. Luke does not say so directly, but I think it is implied that the others, the other nine, were Jews. What that means is that those who should have been the most grateful weren't, and the one who shouldn't have come back did. But before we judge them too harshly, what is your gratitude quotient? How often do we take our blessings for granted and fail to thank the Lord? In Psalm 107, the psalmist says four times, Oh, that man might give thanks to the Lord for his goodness and for his wonderful works to the children of men. Verse 7, repeated in verse 15, verse 21, verse 31, he says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord. The one leper who returned ultimately had a great desire to have to return to his family, to assume his normal daily life. But there was a greater need within him. He needed to go back. He had to go back. I believe that as soon as he saw that he was healed, even before he reached the priest, he turned back. And perhaps that should be a lesson to us. When you realize that you've been blessed, praise right away before you forget. This one leper was different than the others. He did three things. He turned back, he began praising God, and he fell on his face at the feet of Jesus, thanking him. John Calvin said it well when he wrote, We have short memories in magnifying God's grace. Every blessing that God confers on us perishes through our carelessness if we are not prompted and active in giving thanks. 
Next in our text, it says that this leopard, with a loud voice, glorified God. The words that are translated loud voice are recognizable to us today because they are the words that we get the word magnaphone from. With the same loudness and intensity with which he had cried out for mercy, he now cried out to glorify God. Ron Hutchcraft says this about the need for thankfulness. When we stop praising God, we start forgetting God. And when we forget the kind of God that we are serving, we start wondering and start getting hurt. And we're much more likely to take matters into our own hands, to panic, to get impatient, to get discouraged or depressed. But the more you train yourself to be a praiser, the less mistakes you're going to make, the less regrets you're going to have. You lose so much when you forget. And fourth, we learn to be thankful when we think about how much our ingratitude grieves the heart of God. As one thankful man worshipped at his feet, Jesus asked a series of three questions, beginning in verse 17. So Jesus answered and said, Were there not ten cleansed? But where are the nine? In this verse, we take two of those questions. Were there not ten? And where are the other nine? Have you ever wondered what reasons the other nine could have had for not returning to thank Jesus? There could have been as many as nine reasons because there were nine men. Perhaps each man had his own reason. The following are nine suggested reasons why the nine did not return. One waited to see if the cure was real. One waited to see if it would last. One said he would see Jesus later. One decided that he had never really had leprosy at all. One said that he'd, he'd have gotten well eventually. One gave the glory to the priest. One said, oh, well, Jesus really didn't do all that much. One said, any rabbi could have done it. One said, ah, I was already much improved. Whatever their reasons for not returning to thank Jesus, it is obvious that their hearts were not moved with the mercy they had received. Are you? There is perhaps no sin that is more prevalent than the sin of ingratitude. We tend to think of ingratitude as one of the relatively minor sins, but it is perhaps one of the worst because it is an assault on God's glory. Ingratitude is a way of saying that God owes us whatever he gives us and we owe him nothing in return and is a complete reversal of our real position before God, namely that he owes us nothing and that we owe him everything. In verse 18 we find, Were there not any found who returned to give glory except the foreigner? Can you sense the disappointment in the voice of Jesus as he asked his third and final question? There should not be any doubt that when we are unthankful, it grieves the Lord. Nothing less than heartfelt praise and 
thanks is fitting when we consider what Jesus has done for us. One day, a woman who was seeking to get right with God, who was a big talker, by the way, said to Charles Spurgeon, the famous 19th century preacher, if Jesus ever saves men, he'll never hear the end of it. Well, we should all feel that way. The story is told of two old friends who bumped into each other one day on the street. One of them looked quite forlorn and on the verge of tears. His friend asked, what has the world done to you, my old friend? The sad fellow said, well, let me tell you, three weeks ago, my great aunt, whom I hardly knew at all, passed away, and I inherited almost $100 million. His friend, whoo, that's a lot of money. The, the sad friend continued. Then two weeks ago, a cousin I had never met died and left me $85,000 free and clear. A friend said, well, that sounds like you've been blessed. The man said, you still don't understand. Last week, an uncle died, and he left me $40,000. And now the friend was really confused. Then, why do you look so glum? And the friend said, this week, nothing. <laughs> Sometimes we're that way with God. The conclusion of the story is found in verse 19. And he said to him, arise, go your way. Your faith has made you well. While all ten lepers had received physical healing, only the Samaritan had the faith for spiritual healing as well. All ten lepers were cleansed of the disease, but only the thankful leper was saved. By coming to Jesus, this man received something greater than mere physical healing. He was saved from his sins. Jesus said, your faith has made you well. Or literally, your faith has saved you. The words used here are the same words used to declare the woman who had anointed his feet saved in Luke chapter 7 and verse 50. Warren Wernsby says, the Samaritan's nine friends had been declared clean by the priest, but he this man was declared saved by the Son of God. Why is it then that we are not more thankful? The truth is probably that we just don't take time to stop and think. The cares and concerns of this life choke out our gratitude. Thankfulness then comes only as a result of a deliberate resolve to take the time to thank God for all that we enjoy. I want to close by noticing the three steps of faith we see in the life of one man who was saved. He exercised faith when he called out to Jesus for mercy. He recognized and believed that Jesus could heal him, that Jesus could provide what he needed. Secondly, he exercised faith when he obeyed Jesus and he set out to do what Jesus had commanded. And third, he exercised faith when he returned to thank Jesus. The others wanted what Jesus could give, but they didn't want Jesus. 
They didn't want a relationship with him. Let's pray. Father, I believe that all of us in this place could probably honestly say that we are at times ungrateful and that we certainly are not as thankful as we ought to be. Father, help us in this area. Pray, Lord, that you'd help us to recognize the ways in which we have been blessed and then to take the time to think about that and to thank you for what you've done and are doing in our lives. Father, if there's one here that doesn't know you in an intimate way, doesn't know for sure that if they died today, they'd go to heaven, then Lord, I pray that you'd help them to realize that this is an opportunity, an opportunity for them to receive what you're offering, that they cannot pay for their own sin and go to heaven, but that you have paid for our sin on the cross of Calvary and offer us a free gift of salvation. Lord, whatever it is that we need to do in this time, we want to turn it over to you. For we ask it in Jesus' name, amen.